This is one of the most important moments in the life of our country. I stand before you filled with deep pride and joy. Pride in the ordinary, humble people of this country. You have shown such a calm, patient determination to reclaim this country as your own. And joy that we can loudly proclaim from the rooftop, free at last. Welcome to 10 Minutes on Democracy. For this week's moment of democracy inspiration, we looked beyond U.S. borders to President Nelson Mandela's acceptance speech as the first democratically elected leader of post-apartheid South Africa. I'm Jason Franklin, Senior Advisor at One for Democracy, and today is Tuesday, December 7th. Moving from 1994 to today, let's talk about the latest moves in the Senate, an expected second wave of state voter suppression bills next year, the Justice Department's lawsuit against the Texas redistricting maps, and the state of gubernatorial primaries that are finally taking shape. First, Majority Leader Chuck Schumer doubled down this week on trying to pass the Build Back Better Act before the Christmas holidays, both in a letter and in private meetings with his Senate colleagues. But frankly, he faces a lot of challenges because they also have to pass, as I've mentioned before, the major defense appropriation bill. They have to raise the debt ceiling and hopefully build pressure to pass voting rights legislation. He's privately told senators he wants to bring the climate and social spending package to a vote next week, but that may slip closer to Christmas and require him to extend the Senate's final session of the year, depending on how committee work and behind-the-scenes negotiations goes. And on the voting rights legislation front, a group of 20 university students in Phoenix began an indefinite hunger strike yesterday in an effort to force passage of the Campaign Finance and Voting Access Bill the Freedom to Vote Act by the end of the year. These students are going to be camping out at the state capitol and holding a news conference every day, featuring different members of the community that they see as being impacted by voting rights. Senator Sinema, who's one of the last holdouts along with Manchin from West Virginia on changing the rules of the Senate to allow passage of the Freedom to Vote Act, issued an initial bland comment on the hunger strike so far, saying, Quote, I appreciate all Arizonans engaging in our public discourse and policy and encourage young Arizonans to stay engaged in ways that protect their health and safety. Whether her comments or whether the pressure will help shift her over time remains to be seen. And frankly, as you've all heard me talk about, the Freedom to Vote Act and the John Lewis Voting Rights Act are critically needed now more than ever. Uh, Mark Elias from the Democracy Docket, one of the top voting rights litigators in the country, actually noted over the weekend that you know, a new wave of Republican legislation to reshape the nation's electoral system is coming in 2022. As the GOP puts forward proposals ranging from a requirement that ballots be hand counted in New Hampshire to the creation of a law enforcement unit in Florida to investigate allegations of voting fraud. So this year, what we know is that 33 laws limiting voting in various ways passed in 19 different states. And Republicans in at least five states, Florida, Tennessee, South Carolina, Oklahoma, and New Hampshire, have already filed bills before the next legislative session even starts to restrict votings in some ways, including limiting mail voting. And in over 20 states, more than 245 other similar bills that were put forward this year could be carried straight over into the 2022 legislative session, according to the Voting Rights Lab. 
This is part of what Bart Gelman in the new issue of The Atlantic calls a apparatus of election theft that is being built by the right wing. It's a chilling article, but really worth a read. In it, he says, quote, the midterms marked by gerrymandering will more than likely tighten the GOP's grip on the legislatures and swing states. The Supreme Court may be ready to give those legislatures near absolute control over the choice of presidential electors. And if Republicans take back the House and Senate, as odd makers seem to believe they will, the GOP will be firmly in charge of counting the electoral votes. Even as we continue to move forward, we are definitely still at a precipice, a question of whether our democracy can endure. If you've been listening to this podcast on a regular basis, you know all the details that we've been tracking, but we cannot let up even as we are tired because this is right at the edge. Some of the other things we've seen this week, um, big development, the Justice Department has finally filed suit over Texas's redistricting plan, arguing it, that the Republican leg legislature, their plan is to disenfranchise minorities in violation of the Voting Rights Act. Associate Attorney General Vanita Gupta argued that Texas's redistricting plan denies Black and Latino voters the equal opportunity to participate in the election process and that it was created with discriminatory intent. They basically claim that the state is refusing to recognize the state's growing minority electorate. And they're asking the court to both stop the state from holding elections under the new maps and to redraw those maps for the 2022 elections. Now, when you look at it, this is because 95% of Texas's population growth in the past decade, 95% came from Black, Latino, and Asian people. But the new maps actually dilute their voting power and strengthen the voting power of white voters. Ari Bremen, who's a voting rights expert, actually explains that what this means, for example, is that while white Texan voters make up 40% of the population, they have a majority vote in 60% of the districts. While Latinx voters make up 39% of the population, but are a majority vote in only 20% of the districts. So this will move forward. Federal courts have not proven to be particularly supportive of these Voting Rights Act-based challenges, but this is a big one and would have huge impacts, so really worth tracking and seeing how it plays out. Last thing I want to mention are primaries in the gubernatorial races. I've been talking about how it's going to be hard and we're slower than expected to know how will midterm elections shape up because of the delays of all of these maps. But the gubernatorial races, we don't have to wait for maps, and they're finally getting all solidified. The biggest news this week, obviously, was from Georgia. On both sides, Stacey Abrams launched her much-hoped-for campaign in Georgia after spending the last several years fighting for voting protections since Kemp narrowly defeated her in the 2018 gubernatorial race that she historically did not concede. But on the Republican side, while Stacey Abrams really cleared the field and is the Democratic frontrunner, the waters got muddied on the Republican side. David Perdue announced his much-expected announcement that he would be primarying Brian Kemp. You know, a culmination of a recruiting effort from Trump, who really wants revenge on Kemp for not helping him overturn and steal the 2020 election. Trump is expected to endorse Purdue as one of the first big campaign rollouts. But then you also have the wild card candidacy of former state rep Vernon Jones, who's a former Democratic lawmaker who switched to the Republican Party, has jumped on the Trump bandwagon, and who said he will stay in despite Purdue entering the race. If he does stay in, this will make the really bruisy and nasty primary that we already know will be in play between Purdue and Kemp even more intense and actually could end up pushing it into a runoff that would extend through next June. So we already knew that regardless of who was in it, Georgia would be most one of the most contested and expensive gubernatorial races of 2020. 
the Senate race in Georgia is also one of the top races to be watching. So Georgia is going to be on all of our radars for months to come. But it's also not the only bruising primary. I mentioned Pennsylvania last week, where the fallout from Trump's uh, endorsed candidate pulling out has really reset the entire Republican primary. But we're also looking at bruising Republican primaries likely in Arizona, Nevada, Michigan, Wisconsin, possibly Kansas. So a lot of intense conversation and really these fights between the moderate or establishment wing and the far right big lie camp of the Republican Party. On the Democratic side, primaries really we're waiting for in Maryland and Massachusetts, especially where popular longtime moderate Republican governors are not running and opening up possible intense primary races in two historically Democratic states. So we'll get more on the primaries as we start to kind of see the maps get finalized and see more races and candidates declare. But we're getting the sense of what the primaries are going to look like in the gubernatorial race, and they're going to be intense. That's all for this week's quick review of the key democracy developments in our country. We may see some rapid movement on democracy reforms in the next two weeks before the year-end holiday break. Please join me next week, and I'll give you an update and see how we're doing. But until then, I'm Jason Franklin, and thank you for listening to 10 Minutes on Democracy.